Welcome to What's Your Revolution, a conversation for men and the people who love them, where we will attempt to discuss how men can understand and embrace a healthier masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. I'm excited today because this is show number one, and I can check an item off my bucket list. That's right, Mama. Little Chucky got a radio show. <laughs> but some of you may ask, why I named the show What's Your Revolution? To start, if you know me, you know it's the signature question that I ask myself and my friends every day, hoping that the answer is not only about how we can transform ourselves, but how we can spark someone else's revolution. In the context of this show, I feel it's time for a revolution in regard to how we think and dialogue about the experiences of men, particularly our brothers. The impetus for the show stems from conversations with my best friend, who I've known for over 40 years. I wish I could say our friendship began when we were six months old instead of six years. Over time, our conversations have shifted from just talking about women. Yeah, you know, you know that conversation. <laughs> to now, at 40th, discussion the so-called taboo and critical conversations men should be having, like mental and physical health. Bruh, <laughs> does that happen to you? Yeah, bruh, it does. Job stress, relationship goals, children, and interestingly for me at this point in my life, the lack thereof. What I have learned is that some men feel that they don't have the safe space to discuss their feelings and emotions. Yeah, I said those two words, feelings and emotions, because they may be ridiculed or chastised for having the issues and the emotions that coincide with them, as well as the need to talk about them. I am the first to admit that I have a very good therapist, and although he has taken away my superpowers, I'm a better man. But like all of us, I am flawed, stitched together with good intentions. What I have researched and experienced is that without a positive outlet, and if issues are not faced appropriately and timely, men may face a host of problems, physically and psychologically, that may permeate every aspect of their lives. Well, brothers, this will be that safe space, that opportunity to hear men talk about their journeys, the roads that they have traversed, the barriers they have had to overcome, and how they have embraced or are embracing a healthy masculinity. It is my hope to spark a revolution that will allow men to be better fathers, husbands, partners, friends, and lovers. To be better co-workers, mentors, community members, and the leaders we need as we face these unsettling times in our country. I hope that you join me each week to listen, but more often to be a part of this conversation. My friends have told me that the success of the show depends on your first guest, and so I am honored. <laughs> I am very, very honored today to have one of New Orleans' sons, great sons, Oliver Thomas, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> uh, I, I, look, I don't know if I'm one of New Orleans' great sons, but I am the son of uh, Oliver Thomas Sr. and Mionetti Gana Thomas. So, uh, and proud to be the first guest 
uh, here on your show. Brother, I, so, I, if, so if I was any better, brother, <laughs> I'd be you. Oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. But I, uh, I'm honored uh, and appreciative that you uh, have decided to be with me to spend this time talking about a topic that I think that we both feel is uh, necessary, a conversation that has to be had in these times. Well, you know, there are a lot of profound comments, cliches, topics, titles that I've heard, but what's your revolution? Uh, that may be the question for, for our time, mm. but it may be a question for all time. And I think it's definitely a question that has to be answered right now. So in saying that, we're going to start a tradition that every guest that comes on What's Your Revolution has to answer that question. So I'm going to ask you, Brother Thomas, what's your revolution? Uh, every day it's with myself uh, about uh, my ability to have a discerning spirit, uh, uh, my ability to be a better man uh, for my woman, my children, my community, and my ability... Uh, to be able to challenge this system that challenges black men every day and how we overcome. So it's always a personal revolution, uh, but it's one that I get up for every day. That's good. That's good, particularly when you said challenging, challenging our brothers. Why is it that you feel that at this stage and time that we need to continue to challenge our brothers? And what are those challenges that you would like to implore them to do. Well, the system not only challenges us every day, mm -hmm. uh, the system suppresses and oppresses mm -hmm. us every day. And, and there are different ways to challenge. You know, Malcolm was famous when he said we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Right. Uh, Plymouth Rock landed on us. Uh, so that boulder still has to be moved. Mm -hmm. So in challenging our community, uh, uh, my challenge is uh, for us to just push. Push. Push back. Right. Push it off of us. Give us, give ourselves some freedom, some wiggle room. And as we continue to push that boulder, some of us will free ourselves and come back and push. There you go. And as we continue to push that boulder more, free ourselves and come back and push until we pushed it off our damn selves completely. Right. You know, the great motto uh, of my fraternity, one of those mottos is lifting as we climb. Lifting as we you know, climb. And I got to give a shout out to the good brothers of Omega Psi Phi fraternity. Incorporate. Roof, roof. <laughs> <laughs> Rude to the good bros. Um, but it's interesting. We have to continue to push. And I think about what's going to happen in 10 days mm -hmm. and how that boulder, as we think, may have gotten a little bit bigger right. for us. Yeah, you know? but, but you'll never know about 10 days, Doc, unless you push two days. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't wait. So, you know, movement is movement. And if you're not pushing it forward, one thing we do know, uh, it's going to stay where it is. Right. Because it's always going to push back. Right. And that's what we've been saying. You know, I, um, I was fortunate enough the other night to watch, our, and I'll say this, our dear president. Yeah. You know, talk about his eight years. Yeah. And I think about revolution and revolutionary. Yeah, it was an, it was an emotional uh, and spiritual discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, it really was. And, and I think... Like what you're trying to do, uh, I think you're trying to start an emotional mm -hmm. and spiritual discussion. Exactly. I really I wrote down the word emotion uh, in your opening. Uh, I, I think that uh, we've been drowning mm -hmm. in, in our emotion. Black men, not only have we drowned ourselves in our emotion, uh, we've drowned our communities uh, in our emotion. So uh, I, I think that's the correct way to start this revolution. Right. Unpack that a little bit for me. When you mean drowning in our emotions. Because we have, uh, we've suppressed them. Exactly. We, we've fallen into the stereotypes about uh, who we should be and what we should be. 
So if you don't have an outlet, right? If you don't have an outlet for the water, <laughs> if you don't Preach, have, brother. If, Preach. If you don't have an outlet for the tears, if you don't have an outlet for the fears, uh, then you'll drown from within. Right. And that's a great way to put it, that we hold so much in. Right. And sometimes those outlets are, when we do let it out, right, right there is that burst. It, it overflows in a negative way. You think about that dam bursting. You know, uh, it's atomic. It, it, it is. It is a bomb. And what yeah. we see, the impact on our communities and our families on and on ourselves. Right. That's right. Right. That's right. That, that negative impact. We talk about depression and anxiety. Right. Suicide amongst What's young people. What's the thing about men. kinetic energy? How it builds up? Right. And if exactly. it doesn't have an outlet, uh, it explodes. Right. And so too often, when I say drowning in our emotion, uh, we detonate those feelings rather than come up with means to cope with and express those feelings. Right, exactly. So time to stop detonating. Exactly, and that is going to be this conversation that we have on the show about how we can cope effectively. Well, let me say, first of all, I want to uh, thank you. Uh, I think not only is this uh, topic revolutionary, it's much needed. Uh, you know, uh, being a black man, uh, there's something special about it, uh, but there's also something very challenging uh, about it. And either we learn how to accept being special while being challenged, or uh, we're going to wind up being a museum display one right. day. Right. Exactly. And, and we, we, we see that. Mm -hmm. And our museums, as you say right now, uh, are full. Mm -hmm. If you understand what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah, they're full in the wrong way. In the wrong way. In, in, in the wrong way. So it's interesting that you talk about this, you know, in, in a sense of how we can cope and cope more effectively. So mm -hmm. as we think about this conversation about healthy masculinity, mm -hmm. how, how do you envision it? What does it look like for you? What is healthy masculinity in in Oliver Thomas's opinion. Well, it's the same thing that worked for you and your friend, uh, who had, who, who's, who've had this 40-year discussion. 40 years, man. You know, about whether it was child's gibberish, or what, <laughs> which chick you're chasing. Right, uh, right. You know, A lot of time with that. Uh, how much that goal you're digging for. Right. You know, what, uh, what success looks like in America. Uh, it has to be meaningful uh, conversations about where we were, where we are, and where we want to go in black men. Uh, like you, Doc, uh, you know, I've seen too often that the best of us at the bar uh, talking about foolishness, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, or enjoying that uh, uh, two drinks for the price of one at happy hour <laughs> when it ought to be one conversation for the price and the cost of us all right. about creating a happy hour. Uh, so uh, I think it's the same thing that you and your friend have been challenged with. Right. And I think what you're trying to do is ignite that conversation amongst all of us is one of the, ch one of the challenges of our time. God bless you for that. Thank you, brother. Just want to make sure that you're listening to What's Your Revolution with Dr. Charles Corcoran <coughs> on WBOK 1230 AM. And I'm talking with my good brother, Dr. Oliver Thomas. Oh. Yeah, I, I gave you that. Oh, make me want to preach. Exactly, because you're preaching the today. Lord said. You know, you, you're putting the good word in. It's interesting that you said that 
it's Friday, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm looking forward to hang, hanging out. Uh -huh. You know, it, it's Friday in New Orleans. But one of the pieces that you just said that really resonated with me was that happy hour. Yeah. And that's a critical, that's, that's a critical piece to kind of mm -hmm. unpack here. Mm -hmm. The happy hour, because we, we, we're looking, oftentimes we have lived for Friday. That's we, right. We've worked, we've, that's right. we've had our challenges, you know, we, we're trying living to. Living for the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so you get to, you it's five o'clock, I can't wait to meet my boys to right. down that drink. Right. It's interesting that happy hour means how can I unpack my week with my boys or with my my male or female friends? You just have me thought, Doc, because it, 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 in that happy hour, are you trying to get lost or are you trying to help our people be found? Right. You know, so so if that happy hour, if that moment represents you getting lost in your grief, uh, getting lost in your paycheck, mm -hmm. uh, getting lost in your relationship. Ship, then it isn't too too much for us to find, but if that happy hour is about a revolution, right? You know, <laughs> if that happy hour is about some conversations that have meaning, right? Uh, above and beyond the drink, uh, above and beyond what we've been conditioned to think, uh, then that's what your revolution is that's, about. And that's what it should be. And it's interesting because I have some good friends, uh, you know, and I hope to have them on the show. But some real good friends that. As we progress, as we think about some of the topics that I've talked about before, we are having those conversations over drinks. Yes. You know, we're talking about how can we get into this real estate market. I know you're doing a show yeah. coming out about real estate investing. Yes. You know, yeah. having those conversations, but having the mental health conversation. I have a good friend. Both of us go to therapy. Yes. And the interesting thing that as soon as we get out of therapy, we have set a tradition that we call each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to talk about what the therapeutic session was like for us. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'll, I'll say, you know, my therapist said this to me. He's like, wow, you know, maybe I need to confront this with my therapist to have that type of conversation. Man, you know, I'm a black man, man. I don't need no counselor. <laughs> yeah, come on, you man. Know, life is tough for me. I'm poor, broke, my old lady done left. I don't have a good relationship with my chicken. I don't need nobody to talk to. Man, and that's, that, that's, the, that's uh, the issue that we're having. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We think there's a stigma that goes, and that's why we detonate instead of resuscitate. Exactly. Exactly. Those conversations are amazing, but over, you know, over time, over conversations on the phone, I make sure that we talk, mm -hmm. you know, each week. You know, and, and it's funny. You know, even saying that I talk to her brother four or five times a week. Right. You know, where, where the normal conversation, I'm trying to talk to some female. That's right. Four or five times right. a week. But I'm talking to my brother four or five times a week, and we're talking about everything, those in-depth conversations. Like, you know, bro, I had this experience with a woman. You know, are you having this experience? Did you have this experience? And that's revolutionary, Doc. And I think that's part of what you're trying to do is that, look, uh, conversations are sacred, right? Uh, they're meaningful, whether they're trivial or whether they're important. You know, to, to be able to share in, in, in moments to express yourselves about how you feel. So uh, why not uh, be intentional? Right. Why not be strategic? Especially given our social standing here in America and in the world. Uh, uh, the late uh, African-American psychiatrist, Amos Wilson, mm -hmm. uh, Neely Fuller Jr. has talked about a code of conduct. Right. Changing our conversations. Changing how we conduct ourselves amongst each other first and uh what's your revolution is the start of that yeah and build, building those bridges um with each other so 
let me ask you, let's, let's go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, um, mm -hmm. if you think about your ideal of masculinity, mm -hmm. who influenced you at a young age? My pa. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, my daddy, uh, my uncles, right. you, uh, the men in the neighborhood, you know, my cousin Pepper, right. you know, my uncle Sammy, you know, watching La La, you know, uh, walk down the street. Uh, all of those men, both good and bad, uh, my brother, you know, uh, they influenced uh, uh, my grandfather. They influenced it. Right. So you, you just said something about good and bad. What were those positive images of masculinity? Getting up, going to work every day, uh, putting your family first. Uh, my father was a serious dude, right? Uh, my father had come from the street. Uh, but I watched him change his life for my mom and for us. Mm -hmm. You know, he gave up uh, the street life uh, for us. It, it, we were more important than what he thought he enjoyed doing. You know, I watched uh, my, uh, uh, many of my uncles, right? You know, uh, taught us how to work with our hands. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I have some v a very good education, but my brother and I helped put my mama's roof on our house. Yeah, you go. You know, I, I, I you know, my IQ ain't, ain't too bad, but I know, <laughs> I, but I know how to do some acoustic ceilings. Right. Uh, I need to bring you out to you my know, house then. You know, I, with some joint compound and some texture, I know how to design some walls up, you know, and I thought those things were important in terms of being rounded. Right. On the flip side of that, you know, what were those bad models, those negative models of masculinity that you also I watched saw? the challenger with drugs and uh, being on the block, uh, you know, uh, family members, my brother selling drugs. Right. And the impact uh, that it had. I watched uh, Lala, Lala, Lala uh, of, of a heroin addiction. Mm. Uh, that, Sorry he, to hear that. Uh, that he had to feed and deal with every day. Uh, I watched one of my best friends get shot in front of my house three times. You know, uh, I watched myself as a young man uh, do things uh, because I thought, and I was a good kid. I wasn't a bad kid, but there were still certain things that, as 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 what we thought were masculine, that you had to do. You had to pick up a gun. Right. You had to fight. You know, and in many cases. Uh, we were conditioned to believe that uh, we had to be part of the problem, even though that problem was hurting our, and destroying our community. Right. Why do you think that there's that conditioning, particularly early on for young boys, fight, pick up a gun, to be stoic, not show emotion? Because the world does it. Uh, uh, I have a saying that whenever I talk to social groups about how we're, how we're shaped, uh, to all be cheese, Pickles, onions on the sesame seed bun. McDonald's hadn't used that in 20, 20 years. But I remember every rhyme and every verse. Right. We've been conditioned the same way. Mean mugging. Don't let nobody step on your shoe. You can't tell your brother that you love him. If you're hurting, keep it inside. Our women are objects. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's okay to be a baby daddy instead of a father or a parent. So that's how we've been conditioned. Right. Right. It's interesting. I think about my own models. Uh, you talked about your pa. Mm -hmm. uh, my father was 42 years older, um, mm -hmm. is 42 years wow. older than me. And I, I still revere the man that he is and the man that he was. But wow. he wasn't always the best man. I didn't like my I was getting ready to talk to him. I didn't know that I always liked my father. Right. Uh, he came from old school in terms of relationship. Right. You had to deal with your woman. Mm -hmm. 
he was authoritarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of his sayings, that I, you know, I lecture on it. It's funny now. You know, he would tell my mama, God said, amen, not a woman. <laughs> or, or he, or, wow. Or, or if we were trying to talk to him, he would say, hey, look, I, I know what the problem is. Y'all think this is a democracy. Democracy is on public property. <laughs> uh, in this house, it's a dictatorship. Uh, but he did his best to keep us safe. Right. And he did his best to keep us safe, not only from what happened on the outside, but from ourselves. We just didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally, I totally understand. And I watched my father evolve over the last mm-hmm. 45 years. I miss years. my dad. I'm full of thinking about it. I didn't know that I could become friends with him mm. uh, yeah. until we became best friends. Right. And some of me became him. What's that like, being best friends <laughs> with your dad? Uh, it's important. It it's is. It's transformational. Uh, it's understanding that being a man sometimes isn't about doing what your kids like or pleasing them. It's about preparing them for a cruel, challenging world and uh, giving them things that they'll figure out at some point even if they don't get it now that's what that's what it's like no doubt I, I i hear that and i not i not only hear that but i feel that i experience that i remember you know i, I could go to my mom mom i need a dollar right <laughs> my mom would give me that dollar and going no about away dad i need a dollar when you gonna pay me that dollar back you better shine these shoes for 45 <laughs> cents so you ain't shine my shoes yet right. You, I, you ain't picked up that trash in front of Miss Louise, y'all. Right. You want, you want right. some change? Right. Ernie, my, my father had this saying about going to work, right? Uh, once he changed his life, he had this thing about work ethic. Uh, nobody's going to give you nothing, but it doesn't mean you can't earn it or put yourself in a position uh, to get it. Right. You know, and uh, there was uh, uh, consequences for your action, and everything had a price. Everything. Everything. Everything had a price. Like your father, my father taught me those same ideals, mm-hmm. you know, and I look back today, one, on the friendship that we have, because the irony of my household, my family, is that my mother's an only child, I am an only child, and my father's an only child. Wow. So we, that re- relationship and dynamic now, as we are both, right. the three of us are in adulthood, they're in late yeah. adulthood, the relationships and conversations that we have as a unit. Mm-hmm we understand that now that we are a team mm-hmm. and my father is uh, 88 he had a heart attack a couple of weeks ago and what we had to realize was that that team was shifting That's right. that we had to take care of him but he had taught us That's right. and taught me all of those right. things that I needed to ensure right. that that household was going to still be ta- even even from afar because mm-hmm. he had taught me you're gonna pay your bills you're gonna take time for your family you're gonna love you know, and I, I watched this man go to church with my, mo- my mother for 52 years, 45 of those 52 years. They go to church. They love. That's they have right. become interdependent. Yeah. I used to say codependent, but that's pathological. No. But they are interdependent of each other, mm-hmm. working hand in hand and making that household work and ensuring that I was able to succeed in life. That's right. That's, you know, and that's that thing, that, that evolution. Um, how have you think, how, how do you think that you have evolved? over time in your perceptions and and how you comport yourself as a man 
Uh, I think I'm a lot more understanding right now. Uh, I think that I don't have to live up uh, to those lower nine uh, ideals. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, uh, uh, me, Fred Luter, uh, our friends in the lower nine, we all had a saying, if you're from the lower nine, you don't mind dying. Mm. Well, Lord, I'm glad I changed my mind right. about that part because I, a lot of my friends are dead. And, and, it, and, and we try to make that statement come true in many cases. So I think I've changed. Uh, I, I think it's easier for me to say I love you uh, to the people that I, I care about. And I accept, as a black man now, what I accept is our journey. You know, and the fact that it's different. Uh, but it's why we're special. And that being a black man isn't anything negative. See, because that inferiority complex, right? Those stereotypes, we believe them. Uh, but because I've been freed, uh, b because uh, I've had that personal uh, uh, and spiritual revolution, uh, man, it is so wonderful being a black man in spite of. In spite of the, the key word in that statement was free. Mm -hmm. What freed you? I thought I was free. Then I went to prison and I freed myself. Uh, and then God enabled me to do the work uh, to become free. And then it was a book that I read, The Long Walk to Freedom uh, by Nelson Mandela. And I, he was the freest man God put on this earth while he was in prison for 27 years because his mind and his heart were free. Right. So what I've learned through my journey is that I've met so many people who were physically free who were in prison. And for black men, we've been in a state of solitary confinement without being in jail. And uh, I understand that now. That solitary confinement. You know, and that's that's an interesting concept. You yourself and your pain. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You yourself and your pain, and we ha we harbor so much pain. That goes back to the beginning of our conversation, harboring that pain. Mm -hmm. And there's some practices that 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 I think that we're going to talk about over time. Mindfulness, mm -hmm. prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, when I go to church, and I have to say, I don't go to church as much as I need to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we don't see a whole lot of brothers in church. Black men go to church out of obligation. Right. Uh, uh, out of something happened in their life that they finally <laughs> right. understand they need right. to be thankful for. Right. Or we're about to die. And it doesn't mean an immediate death, but we're scared. We're about to transition. Well, it needs to happen long before that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think for black men, I watched it. Well, I actually watched always wanted to make sure we went to church but he didn't right he wouldn't go to church so there was something with him and god uh there was a rather uncomfortable relationship right he didn't want to see that happen to us and as i'm older now i understand that you know th there was a, there was a fight with him and faith uh, because he had been through through so much right See, because black man can ask God, why me? You know, you know, you want me to love you, but why did you do this to me? Right. Har harboring that pain. We don't admit that. No, and 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 not having the ability to realize that mm -hmm. if you can call on that higher power, power. That's right. Why me? Why me? Instead of saying, 
Why not Why me? Not me? Why not me? Right. That's right. You're listening to What's Your Revolution with Dr. Charles Corporal on WBOK 1230 AM. And I'm here talking to the good brother. <laughs> Oliver Thomas, and we are talking about some great stuff about healthy masculinity and how we get there. Interesting talking about our fathers, our friends, but one thing that you interesting interesting that you said earlier about your time, and I know you speak openly yeah. about being incarcerated. Yeah. I remember um, <laughs> I, I remember going to hear you speak at one of the churches. Uh, they have. Um, it's a Monday session with yes, men. Yes, yes. Um, Good fellows at uh, City of Love Church. I- exactly. Bishop Blessed Love. Yeah. Right. And they're doing some amazing Absolutely, things. Absolutely, man. Men talking. Men, men, powerful conversations about drugs, incarceration. Right. Police engagement. Uh, yeah, Bishop Love is, uh, uh, he is a, he's a trendsetter. He's right. T- he's trying to do, Doc, just what you're doing with this What's, what's Your Revolution moment. Right. But in that setting, we need to bring him on. We need to continue yes. to co- continue this conversation because it's in a setting, as we just said, that you don't see particularly a large mm-hmm. population of black men right. in church. Right. And what surprised me was two things. That room was full. Mm-hmm. That room was full. Brothers were excited to be there. Yes. There's a brother that you talk about all the time. I, I, I want to think that maybe y'all were incarcerated together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good brother. He works brother for. Brother Yeah, he works for. Um, ceasefire. Ceasefire. Brother We've Kim. seen each other a couple times. Great brother. Yeah. To see the relationship that you have yeah. with each other was amazing. Uh, brothers in prison helped save my life. Not not, and that's not a physical death. Uh, it is an emotional and a spiritual death that we have as black men. Uh, sometimes never knowing that we have the ability to be reborn. So he challenged me in terms of what I thought freedom was. Right. Right? You know, because sometimes when you get locked up, uh, you get locked out. And when you get locked up and you lo- get locked out, you can be conditioned to believe that you can never be free. So when I met him in prison, you know, he challenged me to uh, explore what freedom is mm. inside of me. Right. Because, you know, he was, his brother was looking at 30 years. So... Right. <laughs> you know, he had read over a thousand books. Uh and he could see uh the bitterness in me. Uh he could he could he could see the fact that uh I was locked up before I got there. Right. And I remember you saying that. I remember right. I remember you saying that in that talk with those brothers. When you got there you were you you were blaming the world. Yeah. I remember that that resonated with you were blaming the world right. and how me, why me. That's right. You but know life was good. Right, life life was good. You know, I was supposed to be special. I was mad with God. Right, and then being in that space and meeting yeah. brothers like you said who were in there for thirty years who right. have to think about life differently. <laughs> right, right. What is freedom in that space when you are locked up behind walls and your perception of freedom and the reality of freedom? Have been taken it's an away. opportunity to get to know yourself. The one thing I, I tell people all the time is don't wait for a life-changing, uh, a terrible act or something, or some personal pain to get to know yourself, mm-hmm. uh, to, to begin to address your spiritual and your emotional position in the world. The beauty and the power of how you open this up by dealing with emotion in black men is extremely supreme. Uh, it is the one thing uh, that we have s- still truly not yet come to terms in. What does it mean emotionally? 
and spiritually to be a black man. Doc, if you help us come anywhere near close to answering that question, it will unlock uh, a lot of brothers and create freedom. That's a great question. What does it mean to be emotionally and spiritually? So I dealt with that. I dealt with that in prison, and I prepared myself uh, to get to know me. It wasn't anybody else's fault. Now, are they uh, uh, extenuating circumstances? Right. Are they social factors that come into play? Uh, are there conspiracies that people conspire against black right. men? Yes. But it doesn't mean we have to be a co-conspirator against ourselves. Right. Man, that's tough, right? A co-conspirator against exactly. ourselves. That freeing piece, that mindfulness mm -hmm. piece. Can you talk about it? What What are the practices that you had to put in place? Uh, being learning how to be alone, mm -hmm. even when uh, thousands of people are around. Uh, finding a space to change my own thought. Uh, understanding uh, access to alternative information. Uh, getting away from the propaganda. Right. Extensive reading. Respecting the rights and beliefs of others. And uh, my own dogma, you know, and my own tendency, and my own belief system, and uh, being open. Right. Is that how? Is that how you got through? Yeah, because uh, other people uh, challenged me, right? And, and I was confined, so I couldn't run. <laughs> you know. So for people who are on the outside. When, when people who care about you begin to challenge you, how you thought, how you think, and how you feel, uh, stop for a moment. Digest it. Right. And because uh, if, if you don't, you, you're going to get stopped at some point. Right. And it won't be because you were a willing participant. You're not prepared. Right. And, and, and I say that you're not prepared because we don't face we don't allow ourselves to sit in being uncomfortable right a as people we don't we we, we want to get out i want to be comfortable Man, we'd like that out of this space right I exactly and one of the things that you know i've tried physically and emotionally and i'm, I'm, I'm still struggling emotionally is how to sit in something that is not comfortable and to sit with it and let it be there mentally so when it does come. You start with a couple of seconds, uh, then you graduate to a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you can transition to a few uh, to a few hours right. uh, to walk and talk. It, look, when people say people crazy who talk to themselves, don't. And have some conversations with yourself about yourself, including the world. Uh, that's what worked for me. That's what Brother Hakim and, and Big, Big Ben and Uncle right. Ron, I'm some of the freest people that I met were in prison. Wow. Yeah. Because they had done the work. They, well, they were forced. Their actions, they were forced to do the work. Right. But when they were there, they did the work. You know, and so my prayer uh, is that uh, people who are outside of those walls can learn what real freedom is. That's a story. And that's a story that I think that more brothers, more people need to hear. Because we, we, we think about the challenges, as we, as we talked right. about, the challenges right. of being spiritually and emotionally black men. Yes. But when you do the work inside or outside, outside. correct, you could be healthier. Yeah. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, mentally, physically, and uh, uh, spiritually, spiritual health. A greater uh, a level of attaining those, those uh, and it's achievable. Right. It really is. You never plateau, but you're not looking 
to plateau. There's always a higher level of thinking. You know, there's always a better continued revolution. There's always a better nutritional program. Right. And, and you can always learn how to control or deal with your emotions better. You know, uh, Victor Sims, a great behavior specialist, talks about the stress of black men. Charles Blow, who's going to be here right. Monday right. at Tulane, the, the great piece he did for the New York Times about what it's like to be a black man and step out of your door. So if we know all of that, then uh, we have to prepare ourselves to deal with all of that. Right. And that pre preparation, excuse me. Right is day mm -hmm. after day after, after day. day. It is a practice. It is a pr mm -hmm. And I think that we need to be critical about saying that it is a practice, that you sit down mm -hmm. and meditate for 20 minutes a day, that you yes. pray, that Absolutely. you take care of your body, That's right. that you spend time with friends and family mm -hmm. unlocking mm -hmm. some of the issues that you may be facing. That we, we speak positive things into, into existence. Right. You know, look. The challenges are never going to go away, but it doesn't mean you have to accept them as fact. Not accepting them as fact. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 Let's let's shift as our time is becoming right. short, brother. And I appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. You're a dad. Yeah. You know, I got, got a, a little I son. I got a four-month-old son, a 23-year-old daughter, and. Uh, uh, you know, shout out to my angel, uh, my son who was killed in an accident, uh, oh, sorry, uh, Bradley Justin Thomas, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, he looks down and around yeah. and, and all over. So, I, we, I have an angel. Wonderful. That's, that's a beautiful thing, but I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. How has fatherhood shaped? It taught we me, talked about your father, we talked about your friends, but how now on the flip side of that? He taught me how abusive we were to my dad <laughs> <laughs> and how much we needed him and how much we would eventually love him and be him. Uh, uh, yeah, it, uh, it is the greatest gift, right? You know, I tell folk, uh, you know, children are the greatest gift that God gives us, you know. So uh, cherish, cherish the moment because it is a moment. You know, life is made up of moments in time. We may think it's years, but if you look at the whole scheme of things, it's not that long. So, uh, and, I mean, being a parent is, uh, my daughter's 23. She just passed all of her board exams oh, for nice. cosmetology. So, right. hey, Leah, <laughs> Leah Thomas, best makeup artist in the city. Right. Uh, my son, uh, Oliver Bradley, is four months now, a big old boy. Uh, 28 inches, 18 pounds, wow. four months. Wow, wow. Uh, a big boy. With a big smile right. on his face. It's, uh, it's taught me patience and love. Yeah, because we think we know what love is uh, with our mother and father and sisters and brothers. Then we transition and then we think we know what love is when we tell that significant other that we love them. Right. But then when you look at a baby... It's, it's really when you understand what it is to be unconditional. Unconditional. Right. And I, I love that because I think about as I got up Monday morning, I was there with my, I was in Virginia with my family, right? my 80-year-old father. Right. I had to get up in the snow. I had right. to make a 6 a.m. flight mm -hmm. uh, to get to Lexington. Snow, 10 inches of snow on the ground, right. ice. He gets up. He's worried. About I'm you. 45 years old, yeah. right? I'm taking care of him, paying right. his bills, taking care. Right. But he got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and said, is everything okay? Are you going to be able to get to the airport? I'm worried. 
That's what it's like. That's what it's like. That's what it's like. That that is that is what it that love that you're my child right. I, and I know you're doing it and I'm proud. You know, here here's the thing and I hear that. Because when I graduated from Tulane, you know, mm-hmm. Tulane does all the fanfare. Mm-hmm. We got beads when we graduated. That man wore those beads for a year, every day. Yeah. Proud of his son. My son's a doctor. Let me make it a little realer for you. As much as I've been through with my dad, for the challenging times, the understanding what it was like to have a father who was a frustrated black man, that race and power had abused, who fought for this country, who was still discriminated against. I don't know, when I went to prison, right, and and, and he told me something. He says, says, man, he said, I love you now more than ever because I know I raised a man. And he said, said, God, now I got a deal. He said, don't worry about it. He said, we're going to be here when you come back. Right. And he stayed alive till I came home. That speaks, man. He wanted to make sure that you knew that you had someone as you were going through. That's right. To look back, you know, to say, I'm here with you. That's powerful, man. You know, our fathers are, I, I, I feel you. I, yeah. I, I, I feel it. But, but, but the beauty in being a black man is, is that you have to know that uh, life goes in phases, right? And so you're not really in a position to appreciate that uh, when, when you're challenged thoughts, right. when you don't understand, when you don't have that level of spiritual discernment or maturity, uh, don't fight it, just accept it. Because if God keeps you alive long enough, sober long enough, and sane uh, long enough, you get it. Yeah. You, you're right. You get it. You'll get it. And I look back at him, and I, I, I hear that, that discourse yeah. as a young man with yeah. fighting against Absolutely. two lions, a young lion and the old lion, fighting against what's right. And I remember, I remember saying, you know what? I just need to sit back because he's done this. Been there, done that. He's done this. Been I, you. Exactly. <laughs> he's been me. Yeah. And, and once I realized that, mm-hmm. that you know what? My time was going to come. Yeah. And that I just needed to listen and watch our relationship took on That's something right. greater. He is my best friend. I mean, when I get home, I rub his head. I, am, uh, I, I, I'm, I have a quest right now to change these superficial relationships amongst black men. Uh, we don't have real love and real relationships with each other. One of the skits that I do when you hear me speak, uh, when I go around publicly, is that whole phony thing about hugging each other, high-fiving, oh, what's up, my brother? And then we kill each other. Right. Oh, man, what's up? Good to see you. And then we disrespect each other. Right. You know, so uh, my quest, uh, our quest is to make that real. To make it Make real. that hug genuine. Right, exactly. Make that black handshake genuine. Make that embrace genuine. I feel you, brother. I appreciate you so much, man. This conversation has been amazing. You've been listening to What's Your Revolution with Dr. Charles Corpro on WBOK 1230 AM, brought to you in part by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. I just got one more question for you, brother, and we're going to be out. Yeah. What would you say to the men and the people who love them that are listening that could spark a revolution in terms of understanding and embracing a healthier masculinity? Uh, Start with love. Uh, Start with your faith and spirituality. Uh, Start with uh, your mind and your mentality 
and then uh, get to work on your physical. Yeah. Uh, mind, uh, body, and soul. Uh, it's possible. You know, I tell folk if you question your ability to get there, uh, God picked 12 apostles that most people wouldn't even want it to be friends with. Uh, when I sat in the prison library and I studied people who changed the world, uh, all of them, most of them, 90% of them had something in common. They were hungry. They were thirsty. Right. Uh, they were on their deathbeds. They lost their freedom. So if you didn't think you were special, then you need to start. Right. That's how we roll, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you all for listening to What's Your Revolution with Dr. Charles Corporal and WBOK 1230 a.m. I look forward to our next conversation. Take care. Have a great day. Oh,